The Saddle River cresting right now, and it's doing so higher than expected. Yeah, wow. Lauren's on the table, Brittany's on the table. Good morning, everyone. A lot Dang. to talk about. It looked like canals were created in that shot, yeah. and the storm also brought a lot of strong winds. They were just blowing last night. This is a first look at the Tremont section of the Bronx, where a retaining wall collapsed onto the rear of an auto body shop. It is a real mess over there, as you can see. Yeah, we're going to have independent damage of wind and flooding, and we're going to have some combination damage where wind and flooding both help to make the damage. Our Sonia Rincon and Phil Tate are on those scenes now. We're going to get a full report from both of them. And I know you guys have been sending in a lot of information on trees down, roads closing. Heather's been busy this morning as well. It's just the start of our coverage. Brittany Bell will join us this morning. We will talk about, Brittany, I guess the rivers and when mm -hmm. and what. And uh, with the rivers too, you know, Reagan, she's been in this morning too, riding down. Uh, we've been looking at the Saddle River at Lodi in particular, and that has exceeded the forecast. So it was forecast to crest around 8.6 feet. Mm. That's up to 10 feet Whoa. this morning you so know, far. And we've been on the air since 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. We went on a little earlier this morning just to give everybody an idea of what they were facing. And emergency responders have been coming at this at every level this morning. Right now you're looking live at the Office of Emergency Management Building. You can see there's in Orange County. Our Janice Yu is talking with authorities about the rescues that also happen overnight. You can see Janice there as we position our shot, getting ready for a live report from her as we continue. Also keeping track of the major transportation corridors, the hubs. You can take a look at the Bronx River Parkway. Emphasis on the river. Yeah. On that parkway, Heather will be tracking what you need to navigate as we head out on this Wednesday. Also, MTA head Jano Lieber will be talking about the efforts that they really made yesterday to get the subway drainage systems cleaned. We talk about this every time there's a major storm coming, right. and that's key. Right. The subways are affected when there's a big rainstorm. Bus routes can be affected. The LIRR, we've got the uh, Metro North trains. So we're looking, we're going to talk to Jana Lieber about that, see what All the delays important. are. And hopefully, you know, some people have flexibility. They can work from home. They don't have to be out in it. But other people, you know, you have to be there. So we want to see how transportation is being affected. And that's key, particularly in our city. So we'll give you like a quick headline look at the weather now. And we'll do a deep dive with what's happening with the rivers with Brittany in a minute. But in case you've got some place to go in the short term. Let's just get to it. We've got, we started with nice mild morning this morning and still look at this 48 to Brittany. I know you were talking about it, how warm and mild <laughs> yes. it felt early this morning in the 50s, near 60 in some places, but now it's a steady ramp down. So as colder air gets into the area, we will also break open whatever clouds were left. Look at the big uh, rainfall headings here. We've got almost a little bit more than three and a half inches in Danbury there. We've got some isolated spots that are not at measurement gauges that came close to four inches. So that's why our rivers and Look at the list here, and the, including the still in Connecticut, which runs into the Housatonic, and the still is already way high, so we know the Housatonic will get a little bit higher. A lot of the rivers that run into the Passaic River are high, so the Passaic River is likely to get a little bit higher, I think, than actually what they're even saying it. Uh, and then look at the winds here. We're looking at around 25 to 35 mile per hour winds, still with the wind advisory through the area today. Since we're talking about it, let's just, Brittany, talk a little bit about the wind gusts. Because we've got saturated ground, you know, you and I talk about this when we forecast together, mm -hmm. that my concern is that even if the trees made it through the big storm, mm -hmm. they may still be a little susceptible to a pushover. And the threat is still there. The ground very saturated from the rain overnight. Also, the snow yep. that fell earlier in the week, too, adding to that factor. Yeah, because the ground is just super wet. Mm -hmm. So as that snow continues to melt, I was surprised to see this morning that you still had an awful lot of snow content mm -hmm. in some of your live shots, but that's going to go to flooding. Um, not as windy, though, later as the winds taper off a little bit. Tapering off to around 20 to 25, so getting uh, a bit weaker throughout the afternoon. Afternoon tomorrow, not as bad. 
temperatures in the upper 40s and then we're focusing on that next storm this is this is horrifying to people who have mm -hmm. rivers that are at or near cresting high flood stage when we're talking about uh, this time i would go one to two what, what are you thinking about one to two uh ranging around that area and most of that rain coming down as rain the system is a bit warmer but even looking farther ahead next tuesday the potential for rain maybe even more snow with that as next we one. get an arctic outbreak yes. no moving into the country you guys. We, no, listen, the weather department the other. I feel like it wasn't weather wasn't interesting. It wasn't very winter like, but we're about to buckle up. Yeah, and so for so many of these communities, they're watching the river levels. Mm -hmm. One of the most impressive shots all morning has been from our crew. Phil Tate has been there watching this cresting Saddle River. So, Phil, great job all morning. You've been showing us at one point there was a parking lot that looked like a lake. Where are you now? Because, you know, Lauren described it kind of perfectly. It looked like a canal created in between yeah. these homes. What's up now? Yeah, well, right now we're on Mitchell Street, and I'll say neighbors here are really seeing the impacts from the storm. I just want to show you this gushing water that's being poured out of basements and backyards right now. I spoke with a couple of frustrated neighbors that just say this is happening far too often. We're going to take you right now to those waters that are continuing to rise right now. You've been speaking about that crusting all morning long as we're seeing it happen right before our eyes as this water is just flowing into this street. Well, as those waters continue to rise, we really were able to capture something that we didn't really anticipate seeing there was this family that was just trying to evacuate their 92 year old mother in law to safety. I want to get straight to that video that we captured just a short time ago. And there is where we saw that family as they worked together, wheeling their loved one through the water from their doorstep. At one point, they weren't even able to make their way onto the outskirts of the home by using the sidewalk as those waters only deepen. They had to instead cut through the back of another home just to make sure that they were safe. Well, this family tells me since 99, this has happened about five times, changing the way that they ultimately live. They say anytime it rains, they are watchful as the Saddle River could potentially rise with water pouring into their homes and streets left flooded. And for this family, they're frustrated. Help us, help us. We've lived on the street 90 years. My mom and dad were on the street 90 years, so we need some help. Somebody right. needs to help us. It's just too much water. You, you can only do so much, you know? And they, they try their best, but you know, it, it is what it is. And I really just want to overemphasize how much water is really out here. And it, it is just too much water as neighbors have been impacted. And some drivers were even trying to make their way through uh, these streets until they were ultimately blocked off. Now, that's the very latest here from Lodi. This is a story that we are going to continue to follow as neighbors are really just trying to make sure that they are safe and sound. Mm. Feel for that family, Phil. Thank you so much. No doubt about it. Also, this is what it looked like in Patterson this morning. Vehicles abandoned in the high water. This is the area of 5th Avenue and 6th Street. And in Oakland, Crystal Lake overflowing its banks. And you can see water up to this house in this video. People were given the option to evacuate, but it doesn't appear that any of them did. And we're told that water in the area has since receded. So rain flooding, but also coastal flooding. Let's head to Long Island. The video just in from Freeport and Nassau County. Yards and homes flooded parking lots, roads that are near the shore as well. This video just in from Baldwin, water crept up driveways into the doorsteps there. Water issues are a big part of Nassau County living near the water there, and that's all still unfolding, although we did just come off the high tide cycle early this morning, and as the storm departs, I'm hoping we don't see a repeat of this when we get to the high tide cycle later on tonight. Shantae Lands will join us there at 10.30. Okay, and a lot of issues up in Orange County as well. Water rescues were performed overnight in parts of Orange County. 
County, too. Janice Yu has been uh, working her way north all morning long, and she spoke with an Office of Emergency Management official there a short time ago. Janice, what can you tell us? Good morning, guys. Yeah, we've been in this area all morning long, starting at about four o'clock this morning. And as you mentioned, I just got done speaking with the deputy commissioner uh, with the emergency department here. And uh, they were busy right here in this building as everything was happening. They said from about 11 p.m. to about 2 a.m. was when it was hardest hit. Specifically, they say, in the southeastern part of the state. And I want to show you some video of what that room, that operations center, Looks like so there were about 20 people in there last night as the heavy wind uh, strong winds and heavy rain was coming there's also snow melt I know we've been mentioning that so that added to uh, the rain totals as well so in the village of Highland Falls we're told a, a mobile home park was flooded the creek nearby overflowed and then flowed into that mobile home park and someone needed medical help after what appeared to be a panic attack well the state's water rescue team was deployed but luckily the local fire Fire, uh, fighters were able to reach the people to evacuate them in time. Also in Highland Falls, three apartment buildings had to be evacuated because of those water levels. And the deputy commissioner uh, for the emergency management department says some of the areas hit last night and this morning are definitely those flood prone areas. But he did mention something uh, that he found interesting. He says it's a different trend that he's noticed in the past couple of storms. Take a listen. The interesting thing with the last couple of storms, to include this one, is that the flooding hasn't occurred necessarily in uh, historic flooding, like low areas. It's been at the base of ridgelines. So all the rain and the snow melt at the top of the ridgeline comes down to the bottom. You know, Greenwood Lake's a good example. There was a road washed out there uh, last night about 10 p.m. that is nowhere near the lake and it's nowhere near uh, any creeks. It's all water that came down off that ridge that has the Appalachian Trail on it just west of the of the lake. Yeah, so it's, I'm sure they were surprised, like, wow, how are the roads covered with water here? Well, it's because, you know, it's coming from the top of the hill. Well, again, you saw in that video, that huge operations center, that is where everyone was set up during last night's storm. So we're talking about Hudson and Orange County officials, sheriff's office, uh, the fire department, EMS, 911 uh, people. They were all there monitoring the calls in real time so they could figure out who needed help and get that message out to people as well. So they say they had quite the quite the night and they do say that the winds are expected to pick up soon here uh, in Orange County. So they ask everyone to be on alert and pay attention to any alerts that they may send out. Live in Goshen, Janice U Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Janice, thanks so much. Really interesting about the ridge lines where the water is gathering the snow melt there. We do want to show you some video from other parts of our area this morning. This is from Staten Island where a tree toppled right onto a house on Leverett <laughs> Avenue. This happened overnight in the Great Kills section. No word on this uh, whether anyone was hurt, but again, we don't know if it's weather uh, storm. The wind mm -hmm. caused that or the ground saturation. I mean, just the sound of it, obviously the look of it. This happened in Queens. Quite the concern when the power lines caught fire during the storm. Jamaica Hills on 84th Avenue and 150th Street. That's where this scene played out. Several homes in the area, of course, left without power because of this. No word on when that power for that area will be restored.
So the aftermath of this storm is area wide, but it's also part of the Bronx as well. So Eyewitness News reporter Sonia Racone is live. Now, Sonia, this we're just hearing about this partial wall collapse in the Tremont section. Can you tell me what was the reason behind all this so far? Well, this is a problem that's been going on for years, according to neighbors, but it took last night's heavy rain to do exactly what they were worried would happen. If you can see here, the retaining wall is behind these homes. It supports about 10 of them here on Anthony Avenue. It collapsed. Now everyone who lives in them wants to tell the city we told you so and is wishing the city had taken their concerns seriously. 4.30 in the morning, I started hearing rumbling. I thought it was uh, trucks on the highway. Come find out it wasn't the trucks on the highway. It was the wall actually collapsing. Neighbors looked down on the rubble of the collapsed wall this morning. They took this video showing the crumbled retaining wall they'd been worried about for years. These pictures taken of it in 2020 captured when they noticed it buckling and bulging. We went in the back and we looked at it and we could see that the wall was actually pushing outward towards Webster Avenue. Neighbors say they went to the city for help. But the city argued the retaining wall was the homeowner's responsibility. These photos from 2021 showed their efforts to shore it up with concrete and cinder blocks, something they say they knew would be temporary as they continued to ask for the city's help, worried something like this would happen. It's supporting the foundation of my home. It's supporting all of the foundation on this side and it's supporting the foundation on the opposite side too. Yeah, the homeowners contend that the that any retaining wall is the city's responsibility. And you can see that access to the yard behind me is blocked and the homeowners here don't know what will happen next. No one has been evacuated from their homes, but they're wondering if it's safe to be inside. Live in the Tremont section of the Bronx, Sonia Rincon, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Sounds like a big lawsuit there to determine who's responsible for that retaining wall, whether it is the residents, maybe a group of residents, or if it's the city's responsibility. Yeah, they'll have to hash it out. Meantime, they're going to figure out what is structurally safe and what isn't right. at this yeah. point. So we'll, we'll see mo much more coverage of the winter storm that rolled through. Coming up, we're going to talk to MTA leader Jano Lieber about the agency's response to the storm. Also, Heather O'Rourke joining us with a status on what you're going to face out there on the roads and the rails. And it's considerable. Busy, busy all morning. Heather O'Rourke is here, and every seven minutes, every time we went to you, it was something new it seemed yes, like popped up. What's, yes, what's so, the I mean, a tremendous amount of flooding, obviously. Mm -hmm. Trains have been affected, roadways affected. So we'll talk about that first. So I'm going to okay. really talk about what's going on uh, as you go on to into Lodi, because mm. that seems to be where we're dealing with a lot of flooding. And I want to thank Reagan, and I want to thank Brittany for helping me out to talk about which rivers are cresting and how that that is going to affect the neighboring areas. So we have Main Street between Garibaldi uh, to Union Street. That's about a three mile stretch through Lodi. That's where we have flooding. 46, the ramps both east and westbound, that's flooding. Passaic Avenue Bridge at Borig Place Bridge, Graham Lane, Main Street, that building complex has flooding. And that of course is that Saddle River cresting. And then the Roundpo River is cresting. So 202 at Route 17, you have some major flooding. Riverview Drive between Halifax Drive and Bridal Path Lane. Now, if you're going on to any area near the Ramapo River, that's starting to rise. That's in Boundbrook. So all that flooding may occur around Boundbrook, which happens quite often when we do have flooding. Bronx River Parkway, I was showing this shot all morning long, both ways between Yonkers Avenue and Kensico Circle. You can still see that we have flooding going on out there. So this roadway is completely shut down. Metro North Danbury Branch suspended with flooding. Buses are replacing uh, the trains on the Danbury Branch. 
Hudson, Garrison to Cold Spring. That's where they'll be busing. Long Island or Long Beach branch still suspended between Long Beach and Valley Stream. The N15 bus, that's cross-honoring between Long Beach and Rockville Center. So we still have that big mess going on with transit and our roads. Back to you guys. All right. All right. Heather, thank you. Great to have you here at 10 o'clock giving really? us an update. Really need you today. And let's get a check of how the mass transit system is holding up through the storm. MTA CEO Jano Lieber returning to the 10 here. And we appreciate you Welcome coming back. back. I, I know. Always good. Well, it's great to have you, especially on a day like today. And so Heather mentioned it a little bit, but for one thing that we all talked about, we haven't seen the video of those rivers pouring into the subway system in large part because I know you did yeah. a lot of preparation well, before. Is that the prep or is that just how the rain fell? Because it's unusual for us not to see those videos, and I haven't seen the rushing river videos in the subway. So, so Sam, first of all, kudos for dressing for the weather. You looked like you were, we were ready for that early bluster. Um, listen, listen, the, this, the, both are true. One is that this was not a torrential flash flooding event like we've seen a couple of times in the last six months. Um, and, but number two is the preparation that we are, we are doing and truthfully that we're getting better and better at, um, which is we use all that that uh, all our capacity to cover vents and grates and even some entrances. And we preposition mm. equipment like crazy, uh, especially additional pumping trains and pumping technology so that we can move water out of the system as quickly get, as gets in. And finally, we are making progress. Every time we, we find out that there is a uh, water incursion in the station, we go out usually with city DEP because they control the street runoff and figure out how's it getting in and what can we do to plug it up, plug up that that station. So we have made progress. That is reflected on the report that Heather just gave, which is that the impacts to transit have been minimal. Yeah. We didn't lose a lot of service overnight. We do have those uh, water impacts on two branches of our commuter rail, one on Long Island Railroad, uh, the, Long, the, the, the Long Beach branch um, between Long Beach and Valley Stream, and then the northbound uh, Metro North Hudson line north of Garrison has been impacted by water. And so we're doing a bus bridge there. But otherwise, the subways are rocking. The buses are no longer detouring. There was, a, you know, there were some overnight uh, detours while water was uh, accumulating. But uh, we're, we're providing full service right now in the subways and the and the buses and almost full service on the commuter railroad. That is a big relief to commuters. Uh, so kudos to you and your team for being a little more proactive and kind of knowing how to handle the, these rains that we are consistently getting. I do want to ask, in the, in the days of this flexible work experience uh, where people can opt to not come into the city, are you finding that on a day like this or um, when people know it's could be a bit fraught to travel uh, on the rails, that people are staying home instead? Do you, do you see your numbers reducing? Yeah, there, there's definitely an impact. You know, people do look at, the, at, at your reports and the weather report in general, and they make their decisions with, you know, so many people operating on a hybrid work schedule, they, they sometimes choose not to come in on days when they know there are gonna be weather challenges. So we do see that impact, um, but mostly people are having their regular commute days, as I said, buses, subways, and almost all the commuter railroad system was available and, and folks took advantage. So for that, you got to say thank you. No, thank you. Jano Lieber, appreciate you joining us here mornings at 10. We're relieved that it wasn't more impactful. And we always love when anybody comes on and can tease Sam Champion. So <laughs> that alone. Come back anytime. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, 
it's a, it, listen, it's a, it's a sport I work out and prepare for. Um, You're part of the family. But let me tell you something. I was up yeah. in Albany Uh-oh. yesterday, yeah. and we're starting to see because of the reports that you and others are giving about resi- weather impact that the folks in Albany, led by the governor, really understand the importance of investing in resilience. You didn't hear any problems today about our underwater subway tunnels. Remember the ones that filled up during Sandy? Mm-hmm. Sure They've do. all sure been do. invested in. The L train, the Rutgers tunnel, all those tunnels. We have new pumping technology, new systems to make sure we keep the water out. And Albany definitely gets it. Governor Hochul made transit a priority yesterday, and that's for the good as well. Thank you for that. Let's hope we never have to test them again, but thank right. you very much. But we know this big weather is, is more frequent and more impactful. More storms coming. Right. Yeah. Thanks so much to Jenna Lieber, CEO of the MTA, for uh, joining us today. So welcome back. As we go a deep dive into the flooding on Long Island, we should kind of mention Fire Island as mm. a barrier island, as a protective island to Long Island, and it's been really washed hard during these last couple of storms. And my friend and former neighbor and New York icon, Robin Bird, just wrote me to say that the damage from that flooding is pretty tough to take out there on Fire Island, and they're very concerned about the safety of the area. Well, with all the houses, and yep. the Army Corps of Engineers has gone in, put sand in and whatnot over the years. Just had a but, replenishment. Yeah. Right, and then that got washed yeah. away, gone. too. So vulnerable there. Yeah. Um, the and so let's talk a little bit about some of the other coastal communities that are being impacted. These are inland, but they're still being impacted, including Freeport. That's in Nassau County, and Shante Lands is joining us uh, live from, from there. And Shante, what are you seeing? We see a lot of water right to your side. Well, you hit the nail on the head, Lauren. There's a lot of water, a lot of traffic, a lot of stranded cars. This is what they're driving through during their morning commute. This is Guy Lombardo Avenue, which is a main thoroughway here in Freeport. We're not too far from the nautical mile, but if you look down the street here to the left, uh, Tony, my photojournalist, you can see this car going through that. That's something that you're never supposed to do. We've seen countless tow trucks taking cars away from these waters. We've seen cars just sitting stuck until the water recedes. The good news, though, is that that water is receding very fast. Again, what we're showing you are not supposed to do. We've seen all types of vehicles, high ones and low ones, stranded. Uh, We're going to be speaking with the mayor soon about how they're dealing with all this. Now, this is, like you mentioned, a coastal community, so they're used to flooding, but it seems to be a little bit more than usual today. We've seen uh, people trying to get to an elementary school earlier today, but didn't make it there, just walking on the sidewalk trying to get to the school. The school, for some reason, that particular one wasn't canceled. Uh, parents couldn't get to it. I spoke with them. I also spoke with very frustrated drivers who had their vehicles stranded. I also spoke with a man who couldn't get to work. He tried, failed, and was able to turn back around. But I want you to listen to some of the people who've had a tough time on the streets here in Freeport. Got flooded. They went through water. Really? Yeah, I drove through water and I got stuck. I gotta get this car running so I can get out of here. Yeah. Originally it said Ray and Ocean. That's why I was over there. Um, and I just want to show you uh, this ballpark right here. Uh, this earlier it's starting to recede but this was a complete lake just 30 minutes ago and um right now also joining me now the mayor uh, just arrived uh, thank you mayor i had to take a boat here no worries <laughs> um so 
Tell me how you guys are dealing with all. So it seems to be a little bit more flooding than usual. Uh, it's definitely more than usual. I mean, we didn't expect this. We were told by what by national weather forecast we're expecting minor flooding today. Um, this is much higher than we expected. Many of the streets south of Atlantic Avenue are flooded here. Fortunately, it doesn't look like many homes, but many of the cars are flooded and people are broken down into intersections. Listen, the only thing that's going to resolve this is surge barrier gates at Jones Inlet and Debs Inlet, like they have in New Bedford, Massachusetts. They have them in Stanford, Connecticut. They close the gates two hours before a high tide, a name storm. They open up two hours after. That's the only thing that's going to resolve this. We've been trying to get this done with the Army Corps since 2016. It just moves so slow. And, and what about more so today? Uh, so it seems like your crews had to kind of pivot to navigate through this. What have they been doing thus far? Well, what we had to do is bring Army trucks out to not damage the fire trucks and the police cars and the ambulances. We have high wheel fire trucks that will move the, the, some of the medical technicians onto there, police officers in there. Fire department has two of them. The police department has one. We're using that to get to people down south that, that are stuck in vehicles or medical emergencies. One more question for you, Mayor. Have you heard of any injuries from overnight from the flooding or from this storm? Not related directly to the flooding. There have been some minor fires. Uh, there have been a lot of car fires. You know, these new batteries in the cars, once they get wet, the seats get wet, the cars go on fire. So we've had many of those. But uh, injuries as a result of direct uh, flooding, no. Mayor, thank you for taking okay. the time this morning. Thank you, you too. Uh, so he broke down a lot of things that we didn't know about the other issues they were having, a long-term solution and what they've been doing thus far. Again, we'll be here throughout the day speaking with both residents and village officials to bring you the latest. This storm is really intersecting with another ongoing crisis here, perhaps the biggest crisis still unfolding in New York City. This morning, 2,000 migrants returned to Floyd Bennett Field yeah. after they were moved to James Madison High School in Midwood to spend the night. Classes are still remote today, um, and that got some parents and local leaders a little bit upset, enough to stage a rally, actually, at the school this morning. Joe, Terres, uh, Joe Torres, sorry, Joe, has been standing live in Midwood uh, with everything. I see you putting your earpiece in, so you're kind of getting set up for us. What's going on? Yeah. Well, Sam, they were a little bit more than just a little upset. I mean, it says here at the outside of the school, education is the true foundation of civil liberty. There was civility but barely. The problem is there was no education here. So that's what had the parents frustrated in the fact that the kids were not in school and the migrants were in school, at least to start the day. They went back around 4.30 this morning, but the students who normally go to this high school were not here today. We're not getting an education. It was supposed to happen Zoom, the education, the way it did largely during the pandemic. And the parents were telling us, None of the teachers signed on. Very few of the teachers signed on today. So there really wasn't school today for the kids that should have been in school. So what it shows, Sam and Mike and Lauren, the parents here feel that the kids were secondary, that the migrants' concerns were put ahead of the kids' concerns, and that did not sit well with the parents who were here. It's largely over now. A couple of police left here at the scene, but the parents started gathering about 9.30 this morning, and they held a news conference to express those concerns to the members of the media and said, you know, Floyd Bennett Field, A, they feel never should have opened, and B, this should not be the second option for Floyd Bennett Field. They point out that in terms of geography, the high school is nowhere near the field. Why was this selected? You can see here now some videos of the migrants being, uh, I think this is them coming to the school or going from the school. They were brought yesterday and then they were shipped out. Yes, they were shipped out this morning to go back to Floyd Bennett Field. But there are so many questions that are left unanswered. With another storm on the way, the parents want to know, is this going to happen again? Is it going to happen down the road? You know, why isn't more being done to take care of the migrants 
in a better facility. So highlighting a lot of the problems, but pointing out that this solution is not a solution. So we'll have much more on this coming up on Eyewitness News at noon. You'll hear from some of the parents. You'll hear from some of the local politicians who are here saying that what's happening now is not working and that putting kids second ahead of the migrants is just not a plan that can move forward. So we'll see you guys at noon. Joe, Joe, thank so you. good yeah. distilling you. that story. I actually feel yeah. like I totally understand their perspective and their point of view based on how you broke it down. You're just so good. So, and we so want to clarify that at Floyd yeah. Bennett Field, there are these tents that were put up to house them because they run land, out right? of space. It's in federal land. And because it's on federal land, they cannot stake the tents yeah. permanently in the ground, which is why which Congress, would stabilize the tents yeah. it, it, through a storm like we saw last night. And that's why Congresswoman Maliotakis has introduced a bill to try to prohibit these temporary shelters being put From on federal land, up. especially yeah. with the tents in that situation. We saw Mayor Adams visited the school overnight, hugging some of the migrants, some of the asylum seekers that were staying the night. Yeah. I'm curious from you, Joe, from some of these parents, is it that they yeah. they obviously, well, I don't know if they obviously, do they support the idea of being able to take care of the migrants? Their contention was solely just that it was at the school and now the students can't go to school there today? Their, con their contention, Mike, is multifaceted. Yeah. Number one, on a federal level, something's got to be done at the border. Mm -hmm. Number two, at a state level, more assistance needs to be provided. Number three, on the city level, this is not the option. Yeah. What is the option? Not this. Yeah. So, so, so they, they're highlighting a problem, but they don't have the solution themselves. What they do want to know is they need their kids to be in school. Yeah. They need their kids to be educated, and it should not come at the hands of migrants who need a place to stay because a storm is coming into right. town. I mean, you and could see that the, the city's hands were tied in some respect. They needed to move those tied. migrants to a yes. safer place. But, but imagine why a school that is being used um, that means hundreds of families have kids at home uh, and who are not being educated yes. and uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of and sense then you have to end. make arrangements for the kids being home and then your day is yeah, uh, yeah maybe you can't go to work day. right yeah there's so many ramifications and yes. repercussions <laughs> from that decision joe thank you yeah, so the much effect is, is is very lengthy yeah you got it see you guys later thank okay you. thanks joe